Hey everybody, welcome back. You are listening to the Los Chingones Baseball Club Podcast presented to you by MLB Trash Talkers. It is approximately 8.21 p.m. on Thursday, April 9th of 2020. Uh, Quite honestly, I've lost track of what day of quarantine we're in, but that's not going to stop us from... uh, recording the latest episode of the Los Chingones Baseball Club podcast. And once again, I'd like to thank you guys all for tuning in tonight to listening in to us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go around the horn and introduce the uh, the people that will be joining us tonight. Uh, I'm going to go around. Uh, go around. Uh, Zach, you there? Yes, sir. Ready to rock and roll. Awesome. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, just... Uh... Leveling up on Warzone every day. That's about the highlight of my afternoons. So um, excited to talk about tonight's topics. Excited for another week of the Los Chingones podcast. Great to have you on, man. Izzy, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Glad to be back, guys. I'm glad to see your faces here briefly on the screen. Hopefully soon we can be seeing our faces physically, person to person. Yep, um, just MLB, surviving, ML- you know. MLBTT gatherings in person never disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew, you there? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm right with you on not knowing what day of quarantine it is, but I'm ready to talk about some baseball. Let's do it, bro. Jesus, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up, guys? Um, same as everyone else. Probably been playing video games, Warzone, and the show. Ready to talk for ready to talk some baseball and I just want sports to come back. There you go. Baby and family are good. Baby's great. Family's great. Matthew hasn't left the house in probably one month plus. He's been literally at home. Hasn't left. <laughs> Bummer. This yeah, is all gonna end too, soon. Man. Let's just hang let's just hang tough. Yeah, that's what we gotta do. And lastly, Ralphie, you there? So guys, um, should be on week two of baseball, so clearly that hasn't happened. So let's talk some more baseball today. You're you're absolutely right, man. I was, um, you know, one of the things that we've been posting, you know, I mean, it's come to the point where we're like, we're po- on the Instagram page, we're posting, you know, this date in baseball history because it's like, what other news is there? Um, I mean, man, it's going back to today's baseball post. Today's already been eleven years since Nick Aidenhart's passing. I don't know if you guys saw that on the Instagram today. Yeah, yeah. And 22 <laughs> years old, pitching six shutout innings against the Oakland A's just right before his passing due to due to selfishness, um, drunk driving. But uh, may he rest in peace. And, you know, his memory lives on. Uh, but I know we have a pretty... We've got a pretty wild agenda tonight. Um, a lot has happened in the last week due to the COVID-19 pandemic. While there is no baseball, there has been baseball because we're getting news of the uh, this crazy report came out of a plan to play a full league or a full or a, just these insane changes for a, a modified 2020 season in Arizona. So I just want to go around and uh, let's discuss this. What do you guys got? Well, I mean, um, I, I think on the first podcast we touched on it that um, Amber, I was kind of vocal about, um, you know, just a solution. You know, I just with everything going on, I just don't think, um, you know, fans and stadiums is feasible for a really long time. So when I saw what the plan is, 
Um, I, I, I like it. You know, I, I honestly don't think there's any way. Uh, I, I'm not in any rush to sit around 56,000 people. I don't know if anybody else is. I'm personally not. Uh, but I certainly miss baseball. And if this is the way we all get to see it. And, um, you know, I, I think we said this on the first podcast. All those spring, If you're lucky enough to have been to spring training, all those facilities are A+. Plus. They're beautiful. They're modern. Um, they're all close to each other. <laughs> And I think at that point, it would be good, too, because they say the virus dies in like a certain heat. So it'll be like 100 plus degrees over in Arizona. And, you know, as long as I guess they test them or whatever they would have to do to make sure nobody has that while they're playing, I'm all for it. You know, no fans. It is what it is. We get to watch the games we want to watch. At this point, the only thing I can think of is like the the credibility of the title. Like, what if the Dodgers win it this year? What if the Dodgers win it in spring training facilities? What if any team wins it in a spring training facility? Will they get the same respect as a team that obviously just did it normally in, you know, in, in the ballparks? I, I, I would absolutely say that um, it, I don't think it would be tainted because in the same sense, you know, there's this is completely different from the Astro scandal, which we we went into deep into the last um, episode. But everybody's at the same disadvantage right now. Everybody has to adapt and evolve if this potential season is to play out. You know, everybody has to, everybody's had the same time off, the same disadvantage of being away from their facilities at the moment. So I don't think they, I don't think it would be tainted. Uh, whether it, uh, I guess, I, I believe at the moment they plan to play a 100 game season all in Arizona at these facilities to empty fans if this plan does go through. Yeah, man. I mean, if you don't put an asterisk on the Astro season, I'm not going to put one on the coronavirus shortened season either. I, I agree with that. Totally agree with that. I mean, you're right. I mean, at, at this point, it's earned, right? I mean, you, you're, you're going to earn it the same way. Everybody's going to go out there and give it 100% every time, no matter what the circumstances are. And, you know, the one thing I think everybody, well, I, I know I'm thinking about is that I mean, that ball is going to fly in, in Arizona. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of guys are going to have, like, really good years, um, depending on, you know, their swing, uh, because, you know, you're not going to have night games at McCovey Cove, you know, over there in San Francisco where the air is blowing in, uh, big ballparks like Dodger Stadium where the ball dies, like, as soon as it hits, like, a certain, <laughs> you know, angle. Yeah. And, you know, it, so, so those are all, all, all that's going to be taken away. And um, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even know if all the games are going to be during the day at night. So, you know, but I still think it's certain, like it's still hot over there for the most part. So the ball yeah. might fly for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, a great idea. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a great idea that uh, we'll be able to get some baseball, even though if no fans uh, are able to see it, like I'm kind of bummed. I was supposed to take my son to his first baseball game this Saturday, but it's whatever. It is what it is. Um, It'll, it'll just be delayed. Uh, the only thing that is on my mind is that the teams have to be in <clears throat> hotels, like quarantined, can't go out. Like, I wonder how the players feel about being away for their, for, like, from their families for like two plus months. Because I mean, players are humans too. They they have little kids, they have wives, they have whoever lives with them. So I mean, I'm my thing is like, I wonder how uh, c- certain players are gonna feel about that. But uh, as for myself, like, I'm all I'm all for baseball in Arizona with no fans. 
I, I think players already do that. You know, the, there are players who live in different cities who play, you know, in, in a certain ball club. So I think that's something that they're already used to. And, and if anything, I keep going back to Arizona. I've been there, man. And, and you know, when you go to spring training, there's hotels. And, and I don't know if this is right or not, but I think some baseball players already live in Arizona because of that. Because right. the facilities are already there. Um, you know, I, I for whatever no. are huge. There's a lot of factors. I, I just think Arizona makes the most sense for this to just get kind of back to normal. And, you know, the only not normal thing about this, if the baseball season does start, is no fans and we're just they're just playing in a different ballpark. But at the same day, at the same time, you're going to get the same drive, the same passion, you know, guys trying to make a name for themselves, pitchers trying to throw complete games, guys trying to rake. I mean, that won't be taken out of the game if they play in Arizona. That was actually something that I thought of. uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you were completely right about the ball is just going to absolutely fly, <clears throat> fly out there just because even at nighttime, I've been out there in the middle of July, middle of August out in Phoenix area. It's still about 90, 100 degrees still, even when the sun goes down. So even if it's a night game, the ball is going to get absolutely crushed. And it's going to be interesting to see what the new median of numbers is going to be like, whether it be ERA or home runs. Because there's going to be a different, like, bottomed-out level, I guess I can say. Like, a new average ERA is going to be higher, maybe closer to four, than a guy who has, let's say, he's approaching four now, and you're like, oh, it's getting a little high. Now, if he's between 350 and four, you'd be like, all right, he had a pretty good season, given that he played in Arizona all year. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that, Andrew, because what does that do – to like the Rockies pitching staff, right? Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. A team that's been criticized forever because of their ballpark and their elevation and where they're at. That I think Jeremy Gut, uh, Guthrie, I think called them out hard as far as like his just nothing curves, nothing dips. It's like it sucks to pitch in Coors Field. They that that gets taken away if you go to Arizona, and it, is it you know? good point like what if the Rockies pitchers thrive in Arizona they're like we don't want to go back to Colorado yeah I mean you know well, that well, how it, they... it, you go ahead Ricky oh no I was just gonna say well in that case while they're playing in Arizona they're they're building up their free agent or trade value so if they do want to get out of Arizona I'm sorry Colorado it's like all right <laughs> I, I, I like, it's like no I can pitch outside of Colorado it's not just or whether I'm, I'm I'm a pitcher or an offensive player. My stats have nothing to do with the fact that I play at Coors Field. Yeah, that would be like interesting for a guy like John Gray, who may be coming into his first time to being able to get out of Colorado, where you see him play a full season in Arizona and he puts up about average above average numbers compared to everyone else in this weird season. And maybe he goes out and lands himself a good deal in some city that wouldn't have taken that flyer on him before just because he doesn't have to deal with Coors Field and or his competition is on the same level as he is. Absolutely. I mean, at that point, you know, what do you say? It's like John Gray has like a lights out year. Could he have done that in Colorado? We don't know. You know, I I think Arizona kind of levels the playing field a lot, minus it being really hot and, you know, the ball is just going to go over there. But, you know, as far as pitching goes, this might help 
a lot of pitchers. Like, you know, they're not going to deal with the stigma of, like, small porches and, like, right or left field, different dimensions, uh, temperature. Because at at the end of the day, and maybe, well, is this the first time everybody would be on a level playing field, literally? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Like, everybody would be playing in the same city in the same ballparks no different dimensions you know depending on you know where yeah. you play obviously see the different thing would be though is that it's so much easier in arizona than it is for florida so if everybody goes to arizona that's one thing but if they try to split it like normal spring training is split that's going to be tough because it would also be one thing if arizona was split to be the designated spot for the national league and florida was for the american league but it's not the case so well, the, the, whole, the whole the whole idea here, the whole idea. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the whole idea here is to keep it all in one city, one area, so that they can have a league. The whole idea here is to avoid traveling. That's what. That's why we're practicing social okay. distancing. So. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I then that would make it. a lot more sense than it since it's in Arizona because you know we've all been out there once or <clears> twice <throat> at least. So we know we can get from the furthest ballpark to the next bird for this ballpark in like an hour tops. Right. So, so not some like of these teams like five hours by bus. So some of these teams are already set to go, right? You know, they're going to like, let's take, for example, the Padres and the Mariners. They already have their home facilities set up. Now, would you foresee maybe like uh double headers being scheduled at, at a venue, maybe like an 11 o'clock game and a 6 o'clock game? Go ahead, Rafa, go ahead. Uh, uh, Kurt, I think Clayton Kershaw touched on that. He's like, he's all four doubleheaders. They don't care. They'll, they'll, they'll play whatever they got to play in order to just get the season, you know, through in like the, the most normal way possible, I guess, you know, in, in this situation. Um, but remember, the White Sox facility is also a Camelback Ranch. So, you know, you have like an AL Central team that was at my whole – once again – they're all playing in the same ballparks, guys. These guys are all going to play every night, same dimensions, same heat, same mound. And I, I don't want to, you know, say something that's not going to happen. But this, if that does happen, that potentially could be some of the most exciting, exciting baseball we've ever seen. Yeah, man. I mean, also, you, I mean, you're talking about the facilities and who shares them. Off the top of my head teams that don't share their facilities the brewers have their own the a's have their own the giants have their own i think all the other ones are shared with two teams so um it'll be interesting to see how other teams that come in from florida would move into those other ballparks if that's how they would do it and i'm also wondering because you know all these games are gonna have to be televised obviously and i'm wondering if for those primetime games if they're going to be playing those at chase field that's what I thought would be like Sunday night baseball, you know, Wednesday night baseball. I, that's what I assume it would be in the big ballpark uh, would be Chase Field. I, uh, when I heard the news about them playing in Arizona, I would just figured like all the normal games would be played out within the spring training facilities. And then like the big games. Yeah. Why not use Chase Field if it's right there? Um, I just want to jump in here. Uh, Dr. Fauci just uh, released a statement today decreasing like his estimated death toll in the United States down to 60,000 people. And 
Trump is all for it. He was ready to go this weekend. He was like, we're going to reopen America. You know what I mean? U.S. economy, business was going to be booming at the end of this month. Obviously, they had to back off of that position a little bit. Um, for me personally, um, I think it just comes back to we're all fans of the game. We want baseball as soon as possible. My personal preference would be to have these games hosted in these teams' home ballparks and have no fans in the stands. I think logistically there's a way to do that. Um, it sorts out a lot of the TV issues. It does increase the travel, which I think is the biggest hurdle. But I don't know if you're honestly – if you're testing players consistently and you're quarantining players that test positive and you're going through all the same motions and steps that the rest of society is – um, I think they I think they could make it work. And if you push that time timeline back a little bit, even to June first, that's still an extra four weeks to let this thing kind of dissipate. And you could still get in a majority of the season, 120 games, 100 games, like we talked about uh, in the previous episode. Um, I just I, I, there's so many solutions, and the problem is we don't have all the answers yet. We're still figuring out how we're going to uh, flatten the curve. And um, I think we're all just excited, anticipating uh, baseball coming back. And then you read this news and it gets your hype level to a maximum. It goes from 10 to 11. Um, There was a conflicting report coming out of the Los Angeles Times where a doctor in Santa Clara County uh, mentioned that he isn't, believe there will be any live sporting events till after Thanksgiving, um, which I think is an interesting spin because you just have all these conflicting reports. Everyone yeah, really I mean, doesn't know what's going to happen. I yeah. think that's the, been the big, I think that's been the biggest enemy of this entire crisis is, has been the spread of misinformation and a lot of um, just like, you know, misleading reports. Um, I mean, we, we we just don't know, <laughs> you know. That, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, when I'm gonna big go things. If I, if I can touch on that really quick. Yeah, go like, for it, bro. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like, I don't think anybody's in a rush to be around fifty six thousand people. I don't want to put my baseball players, my favorite ones, on planes traveling across country, you know, uh, just so we can see them play in major league ballparks. You know, if, you, if we love baseball, we want to see baseball. Like, I, my my whole thing is like I. It's everything you just said is easier to do testing, quarantining them if they're all in the same place all the time. You know, like, I who wants to play in Miami? Who wants to play? Like, like really? You like that would elevate this if like you saw the Marlins play at in Miami? Like, I I would where where it's a hot zone. Like, I wouldn't want to ship my players to states that have like. You know, does anybody yeah, want to or play New, York New York or Chicago? Does, does anybody want to yeah. play in New York? Anybody? Mm-mm. I'm going to no. say no. You know, so this is whole thing about like, no offense. It's just like, I, I, I think the Arizona thing makes the most sense. You get baseball, no fans, and you don't compromise the players. Yeah, and like you were talking about before, like you're wondering if players <clears throat> maybe already live there. And I know for sure that a lot of players that have been on teams for a couple years that go to spring training in Arizona have their Arizona house for spring training. That's big enough for most of their families usually. Like, Because, I mean, they're gone. If you're a pitcher or a catcher, you're gone for seven weeks. 
you're going to bring your family with you. I mean, if you got kids and you got a wife or whatever, you're probably going to bring them with you, stay in the spot, and then you're going to go back to wherever. So now if, if it's possible, because you know some of those guys, they're like, oh, I'm renting this place out every February and March. That place might not be available for them for all the other months of the year because a lot of people probably rent out their houses specifically for baseball players during those months. So they're going to have to do some work like real estate wise, but I'm sure that won't be any issue for them. Yeah. And I'm sure like a lot of like Airbnb places are suffering. So there's room in Arizona. I mean, like, you know, there there's places to sleep. There's places to go. I, I'm sure these guys we, we've seen, um, you know, next to Camelback Ranch there's all this open space. Maybe they can get like huge RVs and just live in those, you know, like while this season's going. My, my whole thing is this. It's like I, I think we need to take the notion out of our baseball players traveling anywhere because. It, I think it just complicates the thing more when you got to co- convince a guy to get on the plane. It's like, no, you're going to go play at Yankee Stadium. You're going to go play where the Mets play. Like, I would be like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. I-, I just think if you give the players one place where they can all agree <clears throat> on, it would just give us our game faster than us, you know, figuring out, oh, let's just play everywhere with no fans. Can I ask why you would say that, though? Because I, I'm just wondering, as a player, would you say I'm not going to wherever because of traveling? Well, I, I, as a player, I would assume they, want, they wouldn't want to go where, like, the coronavirus is, like, more predominant than somewhere yeah. that isn't. Like, okay, got you. I, so, yeah. yeah, I guess I just didn't understand the New York reference, but now I get it. So, like, yeah, New York like, or it, Seattle, San that, Francisco, it, somewhere like, like that, you wouldn't want to go playing in new york because i don't think you can convince a ball player like oh yeah dude just go play at yankee stadium yeah you're gonna fly through jfk it'll be fine (laughs) yeah don't don't worry (laughs) about it but yeah if if you give them this arizona solution i i think that's something they can all wrap their head around because they're all gonna play the game the safest way possible in this horrible situation we're going through and even without fans it's they're still doing what they love Let's be honest, guys. How many of us go to all the games all season? I mean, definitely not all, but I we mean, I think at now, least four years. My, my so, I mean, is, I go to my any, damn does shit. Does anybody have a problem enjoying the game at home with a beer? I, I don't have a problem wrong with, it. with it, but it's just, you know, the fact <laughs> that us being all such huge fans of the game, obviously, I mean, MLB trash talkers, hello. Uh, you know, I mean, not being able to go to the ballpark and have that experience with your boys and just like go to the ballpark, hear the organ, hear the PA announcer, hear the crack of the bat with your own ears, everything that's just the romantic part of the game that we all fell in love with when we were little kids that we're not going to be able to see for X amount of time. And yeah, I'm, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't hurt me a little bit. I think it hurts all of us, dude. Like we're, it, it, this we're in a crappy situation and I think they're trying to find a solution and I don't think it's going to be perfect. And I don't, and I don't know when it's going to be like baseball won't get back to normal till the whole country gets back to normal. And we don't know when that's going to happen. My whole thing is we shouldn't rush anything baseball wise or anything else wise, you know, but uh, I like the Arizona because it's just, here you go. There's baseball. The guys are protected. And as long as they're all on board with it, let's do it. 
Well, uh, actually, I'm 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 going through my emails right now, and um, if this adds any relevance to it, um, you know, obviously a lot of public places are closing, um, and this might give us some sort of idea, some sort of insight as to when we should expect to see like any sort of clear picture as to when we might be able to be able to get out of the house again. Um, I, I used to have an annual pass to Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, so they actually sent out an email saying that they're extending the closure of both of their Florida and uh, Hollywood theme parks through at least May 1st. So um, I'm assuming this is going to have an impact on a lot of public places in you know both Florida, California, and a lot of neighboring states. So yeah, um, California and Florida share a lot of those theme parks. You know, they got their Disney's, they got their Sea Worlds, they got their Universals. So, I mean, myself, I have a pass for uh, Disneyland here in California, and so you know they've been contacting us a little bit about what they're going to do. Obviously, they're going to just going to extend it from whenever the park closes until whenever they reopen gonna put it right up at the back end but i'm still paying for it and i'm still paying for my season tickets for the san diego oil and you know it's all gonna be fine to get all that reimbursed but like man i want to go to disneyland i want to go to the soccer game i you know it's driving me nuts a little bit yeah yeah i agree dude i'm, I'm in a rush to get like back to normal uh but you know i i just don't think we should rush it Right, like I, I just don't think we should be yeah. in a rush. We'd rather be safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I, I, I sure as hell don't got any influence on it. So <laughs> none of us do. Uh, I like uh, Rafi's point. I just want to don't want to have my players travel out and about, do whatever, different cities and cities, whatever. But also like Sack's point, I want my players because logistically it is possible, it is there. But of course, we are. We got to be safe and be smart about the situation. And that's why uh, playing in Arizona with all the teams there, since the spring training facilities are close to each other, is basically logistically possible. And also baseball and MLBPA is also on board on that particular location for any type of season, if anything happens, to be in Arizona. So not only do you get the facilities and also Chase Field and potentially some of the uh, college fields around the area as well. So you got those options to use in case they do have some sort of baseball season out in AZ, you know? Yeah, I just think that's the answer. And um, yeah. like, do, do I want it to happen in May? Sure, you know, just because I want it to be back as quick as possible. Like, is it going to happen in May? Everything they've said, you know, is not official. You know, they fucking we thought we were going to get a UFC in a couple of days and that didn't happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, whenever anybody point. puts a date to anything within right. our current situation to current date, right. that's not going to happen. It's yeah. not. There's so, absolutely no date for anything right now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. whenever we are dates for this, whatever event my case might be, it's yeah. just not going to happen because we can't even do anything. Yeah. yeah like they, they actually... Um, so the, the the plan here in Vegas was to open up, uh, you know, the casinos and whatnot by May 1st. Um, uh, there's a there's a page, I, there's a Twitter page I follow um, that gets a lot of inside reports from, um, you know, like employees and whatnot. I'm not going to say the names, but uh, from different casinos, but like Boyd Gaming, uh, the Wynn Resorts, 
a lot of these companies are actually furloughing their employees until through the end of May 31st. Uh, some of them through um, some of them through the 15th. Just like I said, just to give you guys an idea, like I said, the whole idea was to uh, have Vegas open by May 1st, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. <clears throat> I mean, at the rate it's going, I just feel like, you know, you've been hearing this week the term peak week. Like this is going to be the peak of new cases and or deaths or whatever because the incubation period has been going on for so long. You've been testing for so long now that you're getting the results back, whatever it may be. So I feel like if that comes this week or next week and people freak out about it, then there's no way we're going to be reopening back to business as usual in three weeks. Absolutely no way. And like we were talking about how you wouldn't want your players to travel to New York or Seattle or something of the sort. Uh, I want to bring up the fact that, like we were talking about at the end of the last podcast, that the city of Toronto is banning all large public events until the end of June. So even if baseball gets started at the beginning of June, it would be really hard to figure out the scheduling, not being able to play the games in Toronto if they were playing in the team's real stadiums. Because, like, I know personally, uh, last season in the MLS, my team, the Portland Timbers, had stadium construction going on at the beginning of the year, and they played their first 12 matches on the road. So the first three months of the season were playing games on the road. So, I mean, it could be done. I've seen it done. But it's really tough. And in baseball, that's a lot different than doing it in soccer because in right. soccer, that's still 12 games. If the Mar- if the Blue Jays, I'm sorry, are on the road for a month, that could be 25 games on the road. And then they're going to have a full month of games at home, and that's going to be a clusterfuck. Now, it can be done. Now, let's keep in mind the, the Oakland A's did play, um, I know, comparing you know a month's worth of games to two series is a big difference but um look at the oakland a's i think it was 96 when they did play their uh you know their first two opening series at um here in las vegas um against the blue jays and i can't remember the other team but um you know there is a way to find that solution you know i i think so and but look you know once again i i think it's I'm I'm really biased when I say this, just because I've been to spring training and I've I've been to a couple of different you know spring training facilities. I just don't know where else you would do it. And like if, if, if name is well, no, a- Arizona state. makes the most yeah. sense. You know yeah, I mean? I mean maybe you can like throw San Diego and the two LA stadiums in there too, if you really right. wanted to, to get some more games in with less yeah. like struggle. But, because but I, mean, I mean honestly, like in spring training, there's how many teams? 15, 16 teams there in Arizona. Right. When they're going, they got those stadiums filled at least one game a day. So if they add all those other teams, yeah. I don't know if they're going to fit all the other teams in there exactly unless they all do double headers every single day, which right. I'm sure that, like they've said they're fine with, especially if it's not even the same team doing a double header like the stadiums can handle it. But I mean at the end of the day, I feel like if the players are okay with it, I'm okay with it. I'll do whatever they say. <laughs> right i mean like if they present this to them and they're like hey you know what like we're down with this i'm down with it because at that point you know you know you're getting all of them they're they're gonna go out there they're gonna perform they're gonna do their best they're gonna and we get to sit back and watch it and you know what uh, yeah maybe it's in a different facility and obviously we're not gonna be there 
But we're going to watch our favorite teams play against, you know, uh, everybody else. And at that point, I'm all for it. Yeah. Hey, guys, speaking of playing in different facilities for something new for the season that we have, or the baseball had planned for us in 2020, was also the uh, Field of Dreams game, which was supposed to happen with the White Sox versus the Yankees, if I was remember correctly there. That was supposed to happen. It looks yeah. like um, that's probably going to end up getting pushed back the next year. I mean, No all-star yeah. game at Dodger Stadium. No all-star. Yeah. No you know what, though? I think I think they're going to find a way to compensate the Dodgers, though, in some way for, for that. Yeah, you hey, wonder if but they're hey, going to... Just... You guys have some nice renovations, though. I saw the footage. Yeah, yeah, you got those renovations in. I just wonder if they're just going to push back the all-star game schedule one year for everybody because like i know i know next year like am i pissing people off because they have flights for july whatever 2021 to whatever city it's in but beyond that like i know two or three more cities down the line probably have their all-star game confirmation like they have it at their stadium confirmed but they're not gonna have to deal with any travel or anything because people don't plan two years out right next year maybe yeah. but beyond that like it's not going to be a problem no because I, I people can't give buy tickets teams for an extra year for renovations uh, i think to andrew's point I, I feel like a lot of things might get pushed back a year you know like whatever that may be like which is fine think, yeah i don't think like in my opinion just saying i, I don't think the Dodgers are going to be like hey like you know do we have to fight to get it next year or can we just i think at that point just to make it easier you know everyone gets pushed back a year you know i, I think Right on. But um, yeah, so what um, I, I think we're going to go and wrap up this subject. I mean, we, we could go on about this for hours. I mean, it's just a lot to take in. I yeah, think, it, you know, it's some all of uncharted it, territory. Some, some of, absolutely. It's uncharted territory. Some of it is wishful thinking. Some of it is this could actually be done. Uh, what I really want to f- turn our attention over to now is um, let's just let's just talk, you know, current baseball um i know last week we we touched into you know a lot of us being you know fans of the nl west um you know we we kind of dove into some uh, unfamiliar territory talking about the nl central i really want to break down the al central today um it's kind of a it's kind of a division that a lot of us are unfamiliar with being nl west fans we see this team we see this division i'm sorry what once every three years when when yeah. when they come to Petco Park or Dodger Stadium, or, or, yeah. So it's it's weird to see you know the White Sox or the Royals. So um, Andrew, I know you you uh, you took some time out of your busy day. Um, thank you to uh, to kind of just you know send us all a breakdown of the rosters because like I said we're we we know them but we don't we we can't name you know we can't name their bullpens. So um, <laughs> let's just uh, yeah yeah. I'm a big roster guy, so I mean, we can get into this a little bit. Uh, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, I'm just gonna go team by team from the bottom to the top. We'll go one team at a time, talk about it for a few minutes, and then move on to the next. So, starting with last year's fifth place finisher, the Detroit Tigers, finished oh. with a record of, listen to this, 47 and 114. Oof. 
there. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. The one game that I did bet on them, I think they were plus four twenty five against the uh, the Astros. They were they were the, the, the biggest the biggest against, underdog the, ever, and they covered. Oh Verlander on the hill. Dude, so bad. Ver, I remember ESPN was sending updates all day about that spread, and then of course the oh Astros my God. lost. That uh, well, actually okay. happened twice last season. Um, the Astros were like plus 395 or minus 395, whichever way. I haven't figured out gambling just yet, but uh, they were a massive favorite against the Orioles, and the Orioles covered against them too with the same situation. Oh. Verlander Oof. on the bump. It happened twice in one season, and uh, pretty incredible, pretty crazy. Right, I feel so, I feel well, sorry for whoever took that run line uh, for, <laughs> for both of those games. Yeah. You know, so Andrew, based on your research and everything you did today, like just by looking at who do you think is the best team on paper in the AL in the AL Central? Um, I mean, it'd be hard to go against the Twins. I want to kind of try to keep that towards the end. We can all kind of go over that and see who we think once we go okay. through the rosters a little bit. Okay. But uh, going back to the Tigers, some of their subtractions from a team that bad can't be worth too much, I guess, but Gordon Beckham, Tyson Ross, Edwin Jackson, Matt Moore, a lot of underperforming players, especially Matt Moore. Matt Moore was supposed to be so good coming out of Tampa and he just never took off. Um, Some of their additions that godly coming over from Arizona, uh, CJ Crone, first base, Austin Romine, Austin Romine is going to be handling a lot of the catching. Uh, Eric Hase is going to be his backup. And they picked up Jonathan Scope as well to fill in at second base. I guess uh, their outfield, they have Cameron Maven back there as well with Jacoby Jones. A guy called Victor Reyes just came up out of their AAA system. In the last Wait a minute. So. Wait a minute. Maven is back with Detroit? Yep. He is, sir. Yep. Oh, yep. my gosh. And, and they got, got uh, yeah. Big Miggy as their DH. Full-time hey. at Candelario at third base. So they they got to pay off that contract. Props that to contract. Miggy for sticking with... Them. That that yeah, contract looked good a few years ago, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big time. they're still paying Jordan Zimmerman a shitload of money, and Cabrera's getting paid a lot too, right? Yeah, so their two big contracts are looking pretty bad for them right now. Their lineup is not strong. I can't possibly see them coming out of the cellar and winning more than sixty. Coming off of forty-seven wins last year, I don't see a thirteen-win improvement. I'd say fifty-seven wins would be a would be a dramatic improvement. I will say, uh, I think there are brighter days on the horizon for the Detroit Tigers. Um, they have two of the brightest pitching prospects in the MLB and Casey Mize and Matt Manning. Uh, two, both guys are top 25 prospects. They also have the son of Mike Cameron, as many Padres fans might remember Mike. Good old uh, stellar, Mike stellar center fielder Daz Cameron is a guy to be uh, paying attention to. He's got yeah, the wheels like, like his pop, uh, but he needs to figure out the hitting a little bit. But he's still really young. I think he's like that 22 years old. That guy's gonna hit 320 and put up 25 bombs every season if he can play like his dad. Yeah, totally. And Matt Boyd was a very good. Num- I mean, for for their standards, he was a very good number one for them last year. I mean, for anybody else's standards, like if he was on the Mets, he would be a four or five at best. 
And you can't forget they got Fulmer coming back off of Tommy John, hopefully around all-star time. So that guy, we've seen him throw a lot, and he's got an arm on him. And what did, he's got who did the Tigers stuff. pick up in, uh, in free agency? Uh, uh, nobody Zach, that I can yeah, recall. Yeah, but. Zach Godley, CJ Crone, Austin Romine, Jonathan Scope. Nothing too sexy. Right. I well, think Austin Romine might be the most notable notable pickup of that. We're talking about Cabrera, and he's getting paid thirty million dollars this year, thirty million dollars in two thousand twenty one, thirty two million dollars in twenty twenty two, thirty two million dollars in twenty twenty three, thirty million dollars in twenty twenty four, and then twenty in twenty twenty five he gets paid another thirty million dollars. <laughs> That's just Miguel yeah. Cabrera. The rest of their nice. roster probably earns about that much. So I think they're <laughs> you know, chilling. Maybe. I, I, I we've, we've all kind of talked about that. I mean, it's, well, you know, it's kind of hard to develop young dudes when you when you got a guy <laughs> making $30 million. You know, yeah, and how much is Zimmerman year. making? Zimmerman's like, what, 20 and a half? Right, right, right. Because yeah, he came yeah. over for, um, he came over in the Scherzer trade, right? Yeah, they're, I think I they're a victim. So. No, no, he, was, he was picked up in free agency. Oh, yeah. I think Nationals signed Scherzer and they signed Zimmerman. It was just... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, so yeah, he, I mean, I like Casey Mize a, a lot, a, like Zach said. And so that I, kid lost a long time. He's going to be really nice once he finally gets up. Well, uh, I was going to say, good news for the Tigers is that um, they'll be off the hook for Zimmerman's contract when he becomes a free agent after the season. Yeah, finally. Because that guy is in another one of those categories like we were talking about with Keuchel and Arietta. He's going to be in that conversation where he's like Jared Weaver, toughing out at 85 to 87, making a lot of money and hurting their team. Keuchel and Arietta not so much anymore because they got off of those big deals and they're signing one-year deals with teams now. But Jordan Zimmerman, Jared Weaver, Jared Weaver killed <laughs> at the end of his deal. Came over to the Padres, got lit up every single time he took the mound. He tops out at 81. I see kids down at the pitching cage underneath the ballpark throwing 86. I think I touched 76 the last time I went to a Padres game, throwing those uh, softballs. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. So the Royals won 59 games, huh? Yes, yeah. Let's get into the Royals now. Fourth place, Kansas City <laughs> Royals. 59 wins, 103 losses. Shockingly, they won 11 more games than the Tigers. You believe oh, that? There. <laughs> I was supposed to go in the city this year. Oh, man, that's a beautiful Oh, ball. man. Yeah, it was a, the Dodgers play against Kansas City, and Jessica's dad lives in Kansas City, so... I never met the dude, so it would have been cool. <laughs> but that was, that was off Solaire, by the way. So Imagine weird. a Royals Dodgers World Series. Blue versus So much blue. Yeah, so much right? blue. That'd be awesome. Well, look, pretty, I mean, like, pretty much the same I, font, I, I don't too. I know this is how they did it, but like to me, the Royals became a franchise, and they're like, what do we do? And they're like, well, let's just do what the Dodgers did. Tear it, tear it down. <laughs> you know what, though? Let, let's shift our focus over to that Royal since we're on that. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you so, guys think? What do you guys think of this Jorge Soler man? I mean, he was he was so sick coming up with the Cubs. He was another Great. one. You saw him being a part of that Cubs core that they won the World Series with, and he didn't end up really contributing to that. Um, but now, 
I mean, he could be a legitimate silver slugger or at least home run champ in the American League, especially at DH where you don't have to look at his shortcomings in right field. That dude can easily hit 40 bombs a year in Kansas City. Yeah, which he's already doing. <laughs> so we're going to look at their roster a little bit here. They didn't really lose much. They lost Jorge Bonifacio and Jacob Barnes, the pitcher. Their additions can be nice. Uh, Braden Shipley, the reliever. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal, along with Greg Holland, a couple past closers. Familiar faces. And Michael Franco comes over from the Phillies. So they're the back end of their bullpen right now, Greg Holland, Trevor Rosenthal, and Ian Kennedy. So some notable names. Um, Holland coming off, definitely not his best year. Rosenthal had a down year as well. Their outfield, they got Alex Gordon, who they've been up and down with. They didn't know if they were going to bring him back, but they did. Whit Merrifield's taking over in center field, and Hunter Dozier is going to be playing right field. So they have an old Alex Gordon and two second basemen playing center field and right field with Adalberto Montesi playing shortstop. Michael All right, so, so this is one guy that I really want to touch on, Whit Merrifield. Excuse me, my voice cracked. <laughs> uh, Whit Merrifield. The guy's making $16,250,000 over the next four years. He's one of their best players. Now, are we getting a builder on this guy, or do we trade him as part I of mean, our rehabilitation? He, he's, he's a contact guy, so I feel like if they can't build up the rest of the roster around him, there's no real point to keep him for that amount of money because contact isn't going to win you enough games because their starting pitching staff isn't great either. Um, I would say that they're less talented than the Tigers at the Tigers' full capacity. Let's go through through their rotation a little bit. They got Duffy, Brad Keller, Mike Montgomery, uh, Eunice, Brady Singer is their top five right now. And that just doesn't do it for me, personally. I mean, Darsh Oler hit 48 home runs last year. And uh, he's about to get under in Arizona. So... You know, I think offense is going to have a lot to do with this year coming up. Uh, When you look at his numbers last year, and, you know, my point is because of what's going on, don't count the Royals out. (laughs) You know, like this guy could potentially come out and just destroy it because of what's going on. Yeah, and and having Sal Perez back this season, because he missed the whole year last year, having him back behind the plate is going to be huge for that pitching staff because any – any pitcher can tell you that having a good shot caller behind the plate is huge for your confidence as a pitcher, just in the back of your head. I think there's a lot of elements to this team that I really, really like. And um, one thing they do have going for them is they have one of the youngest rosters in the major leagues. Sure um, do. They have a really talented offensive group. I don't know if you touched on this guy. Uh, Hunter Dozier came out at the beginning of last season crushing the ball. In addition, stud. in addition to Jorge Soler. And Hunter Dozier was a highly touted prospect that took a, long, a lot longer to um, really mature. I think he's closer to that later 20s range. He's like 27, 28 now. Yeah. But that that's that's prime. And that's what that's what, you know, that's what we or, I mean, that's what any team would want, you know, as the guy yeah. in their prime finally, finally reaching his full potential. 
Jorge Soler, which you guys have touched on a lot. Adelberto Mondesi is a top five MLB stolen base guy. He stole 43 bases last year, which is second to only Malik Smith. In addition to that, you, you do have Whit Merrifield, who ho-hum, so boring, he got 200 hits last year, which led the major leagues. He had 206 hits leading the major leagues. He also led the league in triples, and he was tied with two of his teammates, Hunter Dozier and Adelberto Mondesi. This team has speed. They got a little element of power, and they have a few guys that hit for average. I think the offense isn't the problem, obviously. I think that's where we're all at in agreement on is that um, the pitching is uh, the deficiency. Danny Duffy was a highly touted prospect who just hasn't panned out the major league level. He is yeah. league. He is like the definition of league average. He has the stuff, but it never quite it never quite quite goes the distance. And yeah, uh, he. Duffy kind of gives me like the Dylan Bundy kind of vibes. Like I feel like they're the same kind of entity on the mound. Well, now, so I will say, since you brought him up, Dylan Bundy is one of the like hottest trending sleepers for fantasy baseball this year. Obviously, this is assuming we have a season. Dylan Bundy has the arsenal and he has the stuff, but he's played Absolutely. in Cam- he's played in Camden Yards his whole career. Where, for that hey, dysfunctional Glaber, organization. Oh, Gla- I think Glaber, I think <laughs> Torres, I think Glaber Torres took him deep like nine times last year or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think escape. Yeah. I think a change of scenery for Dylan Bundy w- makes a world of difference. The main the main difference between him and Danny Duffy is Danny Duffy plays in a pitcher's ballpark, and um, he's just not able to put it all together just yet. But he's still fairly young, so we'll see. So now I would like to talk about the team I thought improved the most offensively in the AL Central. The Chicago White Sox went out there and they signed guys. They and and I thought they already had guys on the team who break Abreu. This team is going to make some noise if right, yeah, all the know. if all the gears come together in the right way. They all right, so wanna Abreu, they already had Anderson. Uh, but then, you know, they add Grandal, you know, and, and, and you know, Moncada rakes. I mean, they're, they're one through five is going to be Grandal, Abreu, Romine, Anderson, Moncada. That's their one through five. And then add yeah, Mazzara. So, yeah, and, and Edwin Encarnacion. Right, right. And, and, and you know, you <laughs> they got a lot of thought. Yeah, so, you know, you're a pitcher, and you're like, do I throw fastballs <laughs> at all? First five <laughs> yeah. guys, right? I mean, so so if you want to go into the plus minuses r- real quick, uh, they lost Ryan Goins, Ivan Nova, John Jay. Not anything too big. They have Carlos Rodon and Michael Kopech coming back from Tommy John. Michael they Kopech. Add, Michael Kopech throws absolute gas, but we'll yes. get to him later. Um, yes. So they've added Andrew Romine. The second base, but not to be confused with the catcher. Encarnacion, Steve Ciszek, Nomar Mazzara, and Grandal. And so their outfield right now is Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, who is their number one prospect after Eloy came up, and Nomar Mazzara. That outfield is pretty damn good. Yeah. 
And and everything Andrew just said, that team was aggressive. That team did stuff. That team like signed free agents, got guys, and surrounded. In, in my opinion, you know, you know, they already like once again they already had a break. They already had Anderson. They had Nunkata. Like they went out there and they even got more bats to surround these guys with. Uh, uh, the and you know. Fuck it, they got Keiko, right? Fuck it, let's get a yeah a, a, a free agent, you know that maybe that's just a name or whatever. But Keiko is good. Point is that team, in my opinion, was the most aggressive in the AL Central. And when you look at the lineup and you look at the pitching rotation, I I, I think they're gonna make some noise if if, if yeah. This I mean, you look at the rotation; they got Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Reynaldo Lopez, Dylan Cease, and Gio Gonzalez. If they can all put it all together, like man, they, yeah, that's if you a pretty got good Gio rotation. You got Gio rotation. number five. Reynaldo Lopez throws heat. Dallas Keuchel, if he can have a good year, limit the home runs, then he can be very beneficial to this team. We know what Giolito can do. Uh, the back end of their bullpen, Carson Fulmer, Steve Ciszek, Alex Colome. That's nothing to laugh at either. Colome, we have saw him with the Rays for years, and he was really nice for them. So, I mean, this team ain't nothing to laugh at. You just got to think, like last year, when they were going so hard after Machado, if they still had Tatis and didn't trade him for James Shields, maybe they would have landed Machado, and they would have had this team with Machado and Tatis. Yeah, because that, that would have made joining the team that much more intriguing, that much more like, you know what, just because of this kid on your team, you know what, I'll do that. And and you're so yeah. right, Andrew, they never even got that opportunity because they traded him. Yeah, and there was another minus that re- that reminded me of uh, Yonder Alonso left the team as well because they signed Yonder Alonso because he was Manny Machado's brother-in-law. They thought they were going to be able to woo him to come to the White Sox. Didn't happen. So, let him go, and, you know, that's that. But Yasmani Grandal coming up, like, I got to commend the guy. Yasmani Grandal bet on himself with that one-year contract, and he absolutely tore the cover off the ball, and he got this deal with the White Sox, and he absolutely deserves it. He turned down the qualifying offer with the Dodgers. I I believe he made less money with the Brewers, if I'm mistaken, if not, like, just comparable or equal, equal money. And you're right, Andrew. He went out there, raked, and he betted on himself. And the White Sox did it. They were like, you know what? Hey, uh, you know, having a catcher who puts up numbers like that offensively is very rare in the game. Uh, you know, your catcher is not supposed to put up 30 bombs a year. That's yeah. something that's not, you know. But the White Sox were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's get him and add him to this lineup. And once again, this is just my opinion. I really feel like the White Sox improved the most in the AL Central in free agency. I got to go with you on that one, man. Mazzara, Encarnacion, Grindall. It's hard yeah. to disagree with that, you know? And going into the next topic, I still think the Indians are better. <laughs> yeah, we got the Indians who finished at 93-67. and 67. That's 21 games over the fourth place White Sox. Uh, the third place White Sox, excuse me. Now, this is a tricky 69? one. Oh, uh, 69. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Nice. 69. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> Anyways. Nice. <laughs> some subtractions and additions for the Indians. They obviously traded Corey Kluber. Uh, Yasiel Puig is not back. 
Danny Salazar and uh, Tyler Clippard are not back. They have added Cesar Hernandez, the second baseman from the Philadelphia Phillies. Sandy Leone is going to be their backup catcher. And they have Delano DeShields, who they acquired in the Kluber trade, going to be backup, I guess, second base and outfield. Their starting pitching staff, if we're not going off of injuries, is Clevenger, Bieber, Carrasco, Plutko, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. The back wow. end rotation being Phil Maton, Nick Wickren, and Elmano. Brad Hand. Obviously, they still have Francisco Lindor after the season, or offseason, I should say, where they were wondering if they were still going to have him on opening day this season, and they do. And what do you guys have to say about the 2020 Cleveland Indians? They still got Lindor. That they do. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> what uh, else do you need? You, you, you know, we just, it, it was hard going from the White Sox to the Indians because we see all the additions the White Sox made. And then you're looking at a team that did better than that team last year. And they didn't really go out there and were aggressive. I mean, their best move was not trading Lindor. You know, not trading Clevenger, even though he got hurt. Because I, I think those were the two most, you know, uh, the ones that everybody wanted in free agency. Like, you know, if you're going to do deals with us, we want Clevenger. We want Lindor. And they were ballsy enough to not do it. And we, we don't know what packages other teams offered the Indians for those two players. For all we know, some teams offered the farm for both of them. I, I remember the Dodgers uh, were, you know, rumored to you know, want to get Lindor and Clevenger in one package. And that would have meant everything. I mean, that would have, that would have thrown like Dustin May been, and Verdugo. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That would have been like a pitcher, maybe two pitchers. Cause that, that's something that's intriguing to a lot of ball clubs. I think uh, Cleveland's best move was not trading those guys, even though Clevenger is hurt. Uh, obviously this helps him out. It, well, I hate saying that, like if it's a good thing, but clearly the delay of the season is, you know, good for anybody that was injured because you have that much more time to recover and come in, you know, to a normal rotation or whatever, just hitting. And um, if that rotation, what you just said, Andrew, is like, you know, opening day, the Indians are better than the White Sox just because of yeah. the rotation, in my opinion. Yeah, because like we were talking off air about how Clevenger is injured and Carrasco is coming off of cancer. So that's obviously not the best circumstances for them to be coming into this year because they can't really think that they're going to be 100%, even though Carrasco came back late last year. He pitched pretty well, but he didn't pitch in a high capacity. Um, you look at who they got coming up, Oscar Mercado, their center fielder, he was their top prospect, and they are expecting him to be everything that they need him to be in center field. Um, they really need Jose Ramirez to play better. Jose Ramirez, I when Jose Ramirez did what he did in his first All-Star season, it absolutely blew me away. Nobody saw that coming. And then he did it again, and he did it again. And last year, he fell off. So we wonder if he finally regressed or if he just had a down year because nobody saw that coming. So you wonder if people have just got enough film on him now that they know how to pitch him or whatever it is. Like, I don't know if... I don't know the exact stats, like if he just flew out more last year or grounded out more last year or whatever it may be, but he totally needs to play better. Totally did not repeat the 2018 season, yeah. No, he needs I to play better. If yeah. they're going to 
if they're going to win 93 games again, he needs to play better because you look at the Indians last year, that wasn't a very sexy 93 wins to me. At all. Um, Jose Ramirez is like the tale of two seasons. And the reason I say that is because the first half was so bad that it made the whole season look kind of average. But he yep. actually did start to turn it on the last two and a half, three months of the season. In the month of April, he hit 191. In the month of May, he hit 245. In the month of June, he hit 216. But then there's a corner that turns. In July, he hit 320. In August, he hit 321. And he was injured late in August, returned very late in the season, last series of September. But he hit 333 the last portion of the season, Mm. which brought his season average up to 255. He was like sub 200 the first three months of the season. Yeah. And um, I think... I think he was chasing pitches. I think he was trying to do a little too much. Uh, I don't know if you guys recall, but at the beginning of last season, Francisco Lindor was also hurt. And I don't know where the Indians were putting Ramirez in the lineup, but he's primarily their number one hitter. And if they were asking him to play more of that RBI role, he might have been seeing different pitches. He might have been exposed you know because yeah maybe he's a fastball hitter he gets up there swings early in the count and that's not what he's gonna get you're gonna get a different look when you're hitting a different spots in the lineup they you know you're just pitched differently their lineup is pretty top heavy it gets a little it gets a little um it gets a little rough yeah at the bottom, of the the bottom you get like Cesar Hernandez, you got Tyler Naquin. Yeah, it's that's hey, not, I, I think I think uh, what Zach was talking about. Yeah, you know he might have put the team on his back, you know, because because of his last year, you know, because it was like I got to step up, I got to do more, and and maybe that really affected maybe his season like last year, because I I know this sounds weird or whatever, but I I got you know Jose Ramirez from my fantasy baseball league, you know, last yeah. year because you know. And I think also uh, the third baseman role, you know, if if you can rake there, it does, you know, put a little bit more pressure on you because he had like what he just said. He had an amazing year, like, you know, the year before. So maybe he just took that into the 2019 season. And that's, in my opinion, maybe that's why he didn't perform as well. And, you know, if, if the Indians do well offensively, you know, I think they're the best team in the division. You know, with their pitching rotation, if a guy like him the third, can pick it up, that's going to be a hard team to beat. But yeah, are they better than the Minnesota Twins? What team is better than the Minnesota Twins in the AL Central? The I Twins mean, I, are a I very... Think it's just the Indians and the Twins. It truly Who, is. R- run that team has so much did, pop. Andrew. So... Minnesota Twins, first place, 101 and 61 record last year. They made that triple digit push, which is huge if you're looking at it from a season standpoint. Huge win. Big difference between 101 and 99 wins, in my opinion. Um, some subtractions, they got Pineda on a suspension again. 
They have Jason Castro gone, DJ Crone gone, Sam Dyson gone, Kyle Gibson, Jonathan Scope, Alejandro Diazza, all gone. Additions, they got Yulis Chassin on a minor league deal. They got Rich Hill, Homer Bailey, Josh Donaldson, Sergio Romo, and Alex Avila. So let's just go through their lineup and their starters. Maeda. And real quick. And yeah, and they added Maeda as well from the Dodgers, yeah, with Hill. Um, so they got Garver behind the plate, another power-hitting catcher, Sano at first base, Arias at second, Polanco, Donaldson, Rosario, Buxton, the German, Max Kepler, right field, Boomstick, Nelson Cruz at DH still. Their starting pitchers are Barrios, Odorizzi, Maeda, Rich Hill, and Homer Bailey, with Pineda coming back at some point. Uh, back end of the rotation, they got Sergio Romo, they got Tyler Clippard, Trevor May, and Taylor Rogers. I mean, that's a pretty solid bullpen. That's a, that's some names. Trevor May and Taylor Rogers were guys that they've had for a while, so I know that they're very high on them. But Romo and Clippard coming in, those have been names for years. We talked about, um, you know, we've been talking about the AL Central this whole time, and I thought the White Sox did the best in free agency. But now look at the Twins. They were very aggressive in free agency. I just think the White Sox did better. But the fact that, you know, the Twins coming off a 101 winning season and look at all the names you just said, Andrew. They added pitchers. They had, I mean, they added fucking, you know, they, they, they were like, yeah. let's go for it. Josh you know? Donaldson was actually their largest uh, free agent signing in their franchise history. And, and, and really quick, I mean, they were like offensive monsters last year. And then you would add Donaldson. You know, yeah. this team didn't sit back and say, fuck it. You know, we're good. Like, we're, we're going to just, you know, ride the success. We should be all right. They're like, no, we're going to go get Josh Donaldson. And we're going to yeah, get totally. Donaldson like, jo- better offensively. Yeah, like Josh Donaldson. That's another guy like Asmani Grandal. Josh Donaldson bet on himself, and he had another great year, and he got paid again. Because Josh Donaldson was a former MVP, as we all know, with the Blue Jays. That trade that he came over from the A's, It was, I think it was him for uh, – oh, man, his name escapes me right now. The other third baseman, the big tattoos – Whatever, doesn't matter. But uh, Jed Lowry, Brett, 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 Brett Lowry, Lowry. Yes. Lowry. Yes. Lowry, yeah, Brett yeah. Threat, <laughs> such a douche. Anyway, <laughs> um, but anyways, the Minnesota Twins absolutely did not have to get involved with the Dodgers in that trade with the Red Sox. So the fact that they were going at that by themselves, because like. Do you guys really think the Red Sox and the Dodgers came to the Twins and said, hey, we really need you to facilitate this? Nope. I doubt it. No. I think that they really needed a number three, a solid number three, and that is Kenta Maeda, 100%. And they got what they wanted. Even though the trade fell through the first time, they still went back and made sure that got done. I think it's really cool how the Twins, you know, once again, like, you know, they were the best team in the division last year. Did they have to make this many free agent signings? Did they have to make this many trades? Some would say no, but they did. You know, they 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 were aggressive in free agency. To your point, Andrew, they were aggressive in trades because they wanted Maeda, and they could have probably just walked away from it when everything got a little screwy, uh, but they didn't. They were like, you know what, fuck it. This is the guy we want. We made that trade, and we're, we're going to follow through with it. And you look at their lineup. I mean, 
it's pretty fucking stacked. Uh, and then you add Donaldson to this yeah. dynamic. I think the Twins are still the best team in the division. I think they did the best as far as, um, well, just, you know, just keeping their foot on the pedal. And, yeah, totally. Uh, because and... they know that they can beat on the bottom of the division, like we talked about before. If we have a shortened season, the Minnesota Twins have to sweep the Tigers okay. every single time. Okay. Now that we've broken down every AL Central team, lineup-wise, this I, I, I want to say lineup-wise, who benefits the most playing in Arizona? The White Sox. I st- uh, the White Sox, absolutely. The White Sox. But th- then again... Then again, seasons are not one on paper. We obviously, Padres fans, know that. I mean, I've personally seen enough of Nomar Mazzara playing in March in Arizona that I know that that dude will absolutely obliterate baseballs in the summer in Arizona. And we've all seen enough of of Edwin Encarnacion. And you know he's going to kill it. But, and you know, obviously, I, I you look at the Twins, like Nelson Cruz is still there, and he's going to kill it in Arizona because he I, has his entire career. But if you're talking about Grandal, a roster well. standpoint, yeah, exactly. You throw yeah. Gandal on the White Sox with Encarnacion, <laughs> with Mazzara. It's a 102-degree it's a day, guys. 102 degrees, right? Your starting five is Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu, Austin Romine, Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada. That ball's gonna fly. Yeah, yeah. Guys, I mean, at that point, I mean, I, I look at the re- I, and and at this point, I think if if the season goes down in Arizona, this is gonna be a very offensive base game. You know, I, I pitchers are gonna have to fucking paint paint the whole fucking season. But if anybody catches a piece of it, the ball's gonna go. Yeah, yes, Manny lives there too, so it's just any other day for him. And <laughs> yep, true, yeah. Those so, do you guys? There. So now that we've gone through the whole division, going to wrap up this segment a little bit. Um, do you see the standings changing at all from bottom to top? Tigers, Royals, White Sox, Indians, Twins. I think personally, the White Sox will jump the Indians. I, I think, think the White Sox the- will make a jump in there as well. Go ahead. I agree. I think in the shortened season, if there is, I don't think that's been talked about. In Arizona, I got the White Sox. White Sox for sure. Yeah, you still got the Tigers away in the cellar? Or you think they're going to be closer to the Royals this year than last year? Last year is a 12-game difference. Uh, they still uh, got some development. I see you sticking there. Yeah. yeah, that's you know that's rough, Andrew. I mean, you're right. Like, like where do the Tigers fall in? And, um. Shit, I mean, I mean, the Tigers are def- the Tigers are definitely fighting for- with the Orioles for the, the, the first uh, for the first pick in the draft. So that's all I, it comes I, down to. I don't know if we touched on this in the previous podcast. Um, maybe we said this to each other personally, but um, if this starts in May, every every series will be crucial. Like, you know, if I can, you know, not. You know, well, can't like the Twins cannot draw. They can't get swept by the Royals. You know, like you can't even lose one game back to the Royals because at this point, every game and, and that's ignorant because every game means everything. But what I'm saying is that at this point, 
when you're on the level playing field and, you know, one team is maybe getting paid more than the other team, it's going to hurt more, you know, getting beat by the team with the way lower payroll than you are. I think, um, I know I'm jumping in late, but I'm going to go back to the last discussion a little bit. I think the team that benefits the most from a delayed season is the Cleveland Indians because Mike Clevenger being healthy could be a 20-game winner. And if yeah. they don't have him for the first month, month and a half of the season, uh, he he suffered some sort of leg injury and it was on his plant leg. I was I was sketched on it regardless uh, when it comes to you know, fantasy baseball. I was just... I was hesitant in all my drafts to take him because a lot of people were really high on him. The stuff is really good. Um, but with a plant leg, you just don't know if he's going to be able to stabilize. You don't know if he's going to be able to locate. You don't know a lot of different things. Uh, the velo could be down too. So I think a delayed season, if we start in May, helps get the Cleveland Indians, who don't need an ace because they have Shane Bieber and they have Carlos Carrasco, if they get Mike Clevenger back, I think this is their division to win. I think yep. I think if um, Jose Ramirez is any sort of semblance of an above-average major leaguer, if you get some version of 2018 where you have a guy that hits 30, hits 30 home runs, steals 30 bags, you also have Francisco Lindor, I think they're going to be a problem for every other team. Yep. Pitching wins championships. And they, by far, have the best starting staff, I believe. And I think their bullpen is probably the best, too. Brad Hand is solid at the back end. He's been unhittable for about five years, for the most part. Yet, last year, he wasn't out of this world, but he was pretty goddamn good. And that's going to do a lot when you're playing the Tigers and the Royals who uh, can't seem to put a rally together late in the game. Um, so I think the Cleveland Indians are the ones that benefit the most from a delayed season that maybe takes place in Arizona. And Fran Mill hitting in Arizona for five months. Woo! Give me yeah. 50 bombs. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of bombs. That's, gonna that's a lot of bombs at a, point. on Good a point. 2.30 like, average. That's going to be fun to watch. I love I was, Miss him. Earlier, I was thinking about Fran Mill as well because he came in in July, and that's when about Jose Ramirez kicked back into gear, changed Jose Ramirez's spot in the batting batting order a little bit. And Fran Mill Reyes, you know, being a Padres fan, we know that Fran Mill Reyes is the absolute cream of the crop when it comes to uh, dugout guys, clubhouse guys. Like that dude was dancing all the time, every single game. You're posting him on social media all the time, like the fans. Fucking absolutely loved him. All the players loved him. It hurt to see him go, but, you know, like, he's one of those guys that can really be, like, a motivator in the terms of just being one of those guys that can lift everybody's spirits on the whole clubhouse. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, I think um, I I can only speak as a Dodger fan. Like, you know, when Juan Uribe got on the team, you know, it it made a big shift. It really did. And. I think Fran Mill is totally one of those guys, absolutely. And when you think about it, guys, I mean, you know, Fran Mill Reyes and Yasso Puig got traded for Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, yeah. but 
and this I, I'm actually saying more good on Franmil at this point. I mean, I, I thought you could trade the par the farm for Trevor Bauer, but you know, Franmil wasn't a bad choice at all. And, <laughs> and to Andrew's point, you don't really get that. You don't know how to get that. You know how to get a guy who like you know ener- you know energizes the clubhouse. Well, some like, sometimes clubhouse presence is valued over potential big talent. Big time. And yeah. to be honest with you guys, that's why I think Franmil got traded to. Cleveland for Trevor because other than that, no offense, like the guy can rake, but I think they wanted to bring that into uh, the the Cleveland uh, uh, clubhouse. Well, right. you gotta remember that the Indians were just trying to get Trevor Bauer on a plane because right before he got traded, Terry Francona went out to the mound to take the ball from him and he turned around and threw the ball over the fence. <laughs> yeah, and hell yeah. Francona Respect. was, that was great. Not very happy history. about that. <laughs> You could tell Terry Francona look, gave him that look where he's like, "Just go fucking trade. I'll deal yeah, with yeah. you in a minute. You're like, not. I'm not gonna do this on the mound, but I'll fucking deal with you." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious, though. That, that was, was the epic. last thing that, that the that Indians fans that, saw that out of him. I for that. fucking just being you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that we've broken down the Ale Central. It's going to be a dogfight between, it sounds like, the White Sox, the uh, the Twins, and um, the Indians, if the pieces come together. So, uh, I want to go and wrap this up. Um, any final thoughts from you guys? All right. On just uh, anything let's, we, anything let's we go, touched on tonight. Let's just go around the horn. This is Ralphie. Who do you think is going to win the AL Central in Arizona? White Sox. Honestly, I still got to give it to the Twins. Uh, there was just such a big difference between this year and last year. I like Lucas Giolito a lot, but you know, Mitch Garver is very underrated as a power hitting catcher. He's going to surprise some people this year that don't know his name. You can put that on me right now. That guy is going to rake, especially if they're in Arizona. And I guess I still have to go with the Twins, but the White Sox won't be more than six games away. Yeah, I agree with the Twins, too. And just just random, but I'm a big Tortuga fan. That guy, I, I don't know what it yep, is about yep. him. I just yeah. love watching him play. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I'm, uh, I'm going to lock in my bet with the Twins as well. Uh, Nelly Cruz, 39 years old, but he's still leading the league in average exit velocity and barrel percentage. That dude hits the shit out of the ball. Uh, so I don't see a reason why he's going to slow down even seven years after a PED suspension. Ooh, nice. Yeah, right, I'm, so. I'm going to agree with you guys as well and uh, keep that train going. Minnesota still the team to beat, but Cleveland, got to watch out because in Arizona, everybody's going to be with an even playing field. Anything will be possible, so it'll be fun to watch that. Really quick, guys, I just wanted to ask this last question. Um, in Arizona, what's the better, like, what's better, better offense, better pitching? Pitching, better off. I think offense. I think offense. Pitching, you got to restrict the offense. Exactly. But again, even even look at we go back to the Colorado Rockies conversation, man. You look at Coors Field. I mean, even the best pitchers go there on the road and get lit. Yep. I think that's so. That's who Dale Nomo. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Uh, so, one, uh, Zach, I think you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, to, uh, one, one last, one last nugget. We lost a great this week. Al Kaline passed away at 85 years old. 
He was a staple for the Tigers organization, played 22 years, one team, stayed involved until the bitter end. He is one of the 32 members of the 3000 Hit Club, career 297 hitter, and the dude could uh, pick it in the field, 10 gold gloves. As the Night Watch says, we shall never see his like again. Wow. Mr. Amen. Tiger. Rest Amen. in peace. Here's a drink to that Mr. guy. Tiger. Amen. I'll drink Sorry we had to be so pessimistic about your team. <laughs> it's not okay. your fault. They do better. <laughs> brighter, brighter days are on the horizon for the Tigers. They have. They have. That, that, that's for that. I think that goes for every team, um, regardless of the team you go for. They might suck now, but that's part. That comes with the fandom of uh, going for your team. It's like you gotta. It's like gambling. You gotta ride the lows. You wanna ride the highs. We're with you, Tiger fans. Yep. <laughs> so next week, let's um, move to the AL East, eh? The AL East yeah. will be fun. Oh, that should be fun. <laughs> next week. <laughs> so that's going to go ahead and wrap it up yeah. here tonight, you guys. Um, I hope you guys all have a great and safe night. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you guys for uh, jumping on the fourth episode. Um, it's been a lot of fun since we started this. And... Um, I wish you guys good health and safety and um, said let's stick let's stick to the rules put on Social your distancing mask when you go outside everybody and put wash your hands <laughs> that's about it yeah and yeah. happy Easter everyone and happy, happy Easter, Easter to those I'm holding a CP really quick <laughs> the people that are complaining about you know they want baseball back aren't wearing masks so you know <laughs> <laughs> Do it. All right. All right, you guys. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Rest, rest in peace, Mr. Tiger. That's right. <laughs>